Jen Mo, and welcome to Nurse Connect. I am an RN and a board-certified nurse coach. I believe that connecting with others is essential to living a happy and fulfilled life, and that sharing our stories not only helps us heal ourselves, but also helps others by inspiring hope and optimism. I'm so grateful to share stories of these incredible nurses on their journey, and I encourage you to find a way to share yours too. Thanks for listening in. Hey, welcome everybody back to Nurse Connect. I'm Jen Mall, and I'm super excited to have Andrea Jacobs. I almost said Perry. Andrea <laughs> Jacobs with me here today. One of my longtime friends, ED educator, co-person. I don't know. We've been together in so many different roles. I'm super excited to finally have you on. So welcome. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to start. I mean, I certainly know you very well, but I would love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Um, if you could just maybe start, how did you get into nursing? Kind of what is your path been to now? Yeah. So I um I don't love telling my story of how I got into nursing because I, I'm a very atypical sounding story. You know, so many people got into nursing, they wanted to help people, they had family that were sick and they took care of them and they're very altruistic. And I, so I feel really horrible when I say <laughs> that, uh, you know, I grew up loving science. I excelled mm -hmm. in science in school. Um, and my goal originally was to get into forensics. I thought it mm. sounded interesting. And I've been doing this for long enough that this was pre CSI, you know, okay. I, I had other reasons that I was interested by it. Uh, but when I started college, I found out that I was going to need probably a master's degree in chemistry. Mm. And even though I liked science, I didn't love chemistry <laughs> enough to even get a bachelor's degree in it. So then I sat down and I'm like, well, I want, I need to be able to get a job. I want to be able to get a job with a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. So, but I still have this idea about forensics so I could do like forensics and nursing or forensics mm. and psychology. Um, and then, well, if I do those, I have to get at least a master's with psychology. Okay. I'm going to get a nursing degree. That's how I'm going to do it. Awesome. And my mom was a nurse. My aunt was a nurse, you know, but I didn't absorb anything from them. Mm. My mom didn't talk about it a lot. So somehow I just landed on nursing. And, um, I mean, to be honest, I hated every single moment of nursing school. And I feel like there's probably a lot of other people yes. that did as well. <laughs> And I really floundered through it. Like school had always been easy, but this was really tough mm -hmm. to form these new connections and these, these new ways of processing information. But then I got to do some clinical time in the ER and I, I finally was like, oh good, there is a place that I can get yes. a job. Um, and so, so that was, um, I finished that uh, back in 2005. So I've been a nurse now for 19 years or 18 years. Um, and my background is really all ER. So started in the ER and have been there ever since, though I don't really like to call it the ER anymore. I'm really a believer in ED because uh -huh. it's not an emergency room. It's an yeah. emergency department. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so got started, realized instantly that I was in over my head and was terrified, uh, started um, doing a lot of studying and preparing and then got my CEN, which didn't really help me feel much more prepared, but at least a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Then my mom went back to school to get her master's in nursing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, if my mom's getting her master's, I can get my master's. <laughs> yeah. And so I struggled though, to find a master's I was interested in, but that mm -hmm. was right about when the clinical nurse leader degree mm -hmm. was developed. And I, that just really spoke to me because I didn't know I was three years into my nursing career, I didn't know where I wanted to land, but I loved that it touched on informatics and research mm -hmm. and, um, you know, 
quality and process improvement. I'm like, this is, this is perfect. Uh, and then I um, started to kind of see myself going in the education pathway, not just because I liked to help teach my peers. I did love that. I loved precepting. I loved teaching people the right way, showing them equipment, but I saw it as an opportunity to make things better. Absolutely. And to, because I just, I can't, see a problem and not try to fix it. Yes. Um, even in my personal life, which gets <laughs> tiring. Um, so started actually working with you because you were the educator of my department. And so started facilitating some education, developing some stuff. And then when you trans transitioned onto your next thing, I transitioned into your <laughs> spot and did that for several years and loved it. And got to make a lot of positive changes. And then when my life changed, it was time to move on to the next thing. And so, mm -hmm. but it's always been ER until now, now I am a hospital educator. And so um, I manage all the things I did for the ER, but on a larger scale, but thankfully yes. at a small facility. So it feels doable for the most part. Uh, but I am very much a, a, a dabbler in a lot of side things um, because my brain I just need a lot of different types of things to fulfill me. Um, and so I do have my full-time educator role, but I also lecture for a local college. Uh, I teach preparatory courses for certification exams. So for I teach for the CEN and TCRN right now, both emergency nursing certifications. And I'm also an uh, expert practice consultant for the Board of Registered Nursing. So when there are complaints cool. filed against nurses, I like to review them and offer my opinion if they actually deviated from mm -hmm. any standards. So that, I love that because I feel like we get thrown under the bus so much and that gives me an opportunity to see, did this nurse really, mm -hmm. did they make the, they make the mistake or did the system fail them? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so lots of, lots of different things. All I love it. And I think that's why we've always gotten along so well is because we both like our hands in different pots and love yeah. to help be a part of change and, and help facilitate that in a positive way because yes. sometimes things get dumped on nurses and so it's like okay well how can we try to smooth this in how can we make the process better how can we yes. educate well um, to help our staff adapt to the changes um, or fight back against them in some type cases right. so yeah right. absolutely it. Yeah. And I always remember you were just such like a, like literally like an answered prayer for me because when I was getting into informatics and I was like, okay, I'm ready to leave the ED. I've been there in different roles for 12 years and I'm ready to do something different. And I was like, but I just can't, I, this was my baby. I created the ED educator role there and I couldn't just give it to anybody. And then you like showed up as a staff nurse and you're like, what can I do to help you? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, you are my person. I'm going to give this all to you. So that was, um, I was so grateful to have you transitioned into that role so seamlessly. Yeah. And um, it's been great to see you continue to develop. And And uh, the, the Lantern Award um, for the ED was such a, a proud uh, moment. And I know you really spearheaded yes. that. Would you mind touching on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the um, Lantern Award that is offered by the Emergency Nurses Association. And so it is a way to recognize EDs that have really gone above and beyond to create a positive environment for the staff and the patients. That mm -hmm. excellence is really a part of, of what that ED, that of that culture in the ED. And so um, we actually applied for it a couple times. I knew mm -hmm. there's a similar award for ICU. It's the Beacon Award. And mm -hmm. our ICU had received it in the past. 
And we had really just accomplished some really incredible things in our department, um, our leadership team. And so uh, we applied for it once and did not get awarded the the lantern, which was quite the motivator. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we applied again the next fall, tweaking a few things. And, um, And so some of the things that we had achieved to do this one of the biggest ones I thought was that we really pushed for certification in the department. Mm-hmm. And not only did we push for it, but we supported it. So we brought review courses and we offered them at low cost. We participated in voucher programs so that staff did not have to pay full price for the exam. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very lucky in California to make excellent wages. Yeah. Um, but even somebody making a California nursing wage, they look at a certification fee of $400 mm-hmm. and they don't want to do that. And so being able to offer the reduced cost of the test, helping them use preceptor funds so they could get everything covered. And we went from something like four CENs to 25 in two Amazing. years. And so that was one of our main things that helped us earn the um the award. And there were other things, of course, improving throughput and huge improvements in our stroke program, which we um, we kept having meetings about improving stroke throughput times. And it all like it was always physicians and stroke coordinators. Mm. And there was never a staff nurse at the bedside. Yeah. And after just beating our heads against the wall and one doctor in particular, you know, we're in the era now of everything <laughs> being digitized and electronic. And he was like, what we really need is a piece of paper that we tape to the foot of the bed that we can make check marks on when stuff gets done. And I'm like, that is absolutely not what we need. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I, I finally said, we, can we please do a work group with the staff and let's do one of these PDSAs and find our barriers and see what we can do. And so the staff came up with a workflow, which ended up reducing our door to to needle time dramatically within three months because they developed it, they implemented it, they owned it, you know? Incredible. And so that was some of the stuff that our, our team really, we were so passionate about this. Like we are a part of this team. We can't just tell you to do things. Mm-hmm. Please be a part of it and help us find a solution that you believe in um, and speak up if it doesn't work. You know, we were we were riding this the speak up for safety bus a long time before it became popular. Amazing. So, um, but so we got the word that we received, we were recipients of the, of the Lantern Award. And I was just in tears because that was probably a 200 page document that um, everybody helped with, but I was the writer because it needs to all be in one voice. So I had to massage all that stuff, but we were the first, um, the first organization in our area to receive it. And one of only, I think we were the second like Northern California organization ever to get it. Wow. Um, and we really motivated a lot of our peers in the region who have now obta- obtained the award as well. So, um, but that was just such a, a great thing. And our department was so just the collective pride yes. and joy when we received that award. It was amazing because it wasn't just something that the admin team decided to do. Right. They were totally proud and enthusiastic and we had like the biggest turnout to an ENA conference annual conference ever because they all wanted to come be a part of the celebration so it was really just such a special way to help our team recognize and that's for me that's what it is like people will say like you got that award I did not get the award I told the story of our amazing team and 
you know, there's been a lot of changes to that team since then, mm -hmm. but we still have like that core memory together that mm -hmm. we achieved that. So, yeah, that is incredible. And I just, I've, I've ever been so proud from the sidelines, like, ah, oh, it's amazing. Cause I know how hard you guys worked on all of that. And it's just really something to be proud of for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Um, and not on the same vein, but I just like the, the compassion fatigue work that you do, mm -hmm. um, is really jumping out at me because I think, um, now, especially, I mean, that lantern reward was before COVID and you were doing compassion fatigue work before it was cool <laughs> yeah. before all the really, really bad burnout. We've had burnout and compassion fatigue for years, but you really kind of been a pioneer in this space. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about how you started doing that and what kind of work you're doing in that space now? Sure. Yeah, I, um, it wasn't, I hadn't been a nurse for very long and I was feeling just very overwhelmed, very negative, very angry mm. often. You know, I can just remember snapping at patients, being close to tears, just feeling so much, just, just such a high level of stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember thinking like, I can't do this my whole life. And mm -hmm. this was 18 years ago. I mean, ER yeah. nursing was nowhere near as stressful then even as it is now, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, I, when I was a nurse, I was, I, I graduated nursing school at 23 years old. You know, mm -hmm. I had, I didn't have coping skills or anything, you know? And I remember going to a nursing conference and hearing someone speak about compassion mm -hmm. fatigue and being like, oh my God, this is it. Like I'm, I'm giving constantly and not having any time to recharge my own batteries. No wonder mm -hmm. I can't be nice to you. Nobody's been nice to me yeah. in a month, you know? And, um, I just was instantly like, I have to tell people about this. I, mm -hmm. I have to, because it was not nobody knew it at the time. It was not a, now it's almost become a catchphrase. It's, yeah. it's almost as it, it's almost now has almost a negative connotation mm -hmm. as sometimes where people are like, mm, you're just going to say, do self-care. Well, how am I supposed yeah. to do, that? you know, but nobody knew what it was. And I just, I went to the educators at my hospital and I was like, I need your support. I need to teach this to everyone. And they were like, yeah, you do. And they helped me. This was a large hospital, um, had to have had I, I don't, I think at the time they probably had at least 3000 to 4,000 mm -hmm. nurses. I think I held the class for 2000 of them as this at the time, like 25 year old. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm going to tell you how you need to have life skills. Sorry. Yeah. You know, but, um, I've been lecturing on it to multiple audiences kind of since then, but it's really morphed. And so it started off with being about like, you know, you need to make sure you get out on walks and find the things that make you happy and garden and do these other things. And I'll, I'll tell you that over the past few years, um, I think it, but even before COVID, like when I noticed that I was having um, trouble in my role as an mm -hmm. educator, I was really having trouble maintaining boundaries mm -hmm. because I wanted, I wanted to help anybody that wanted help. And I, if there was something that came up that, that, was not okay with me. That was like, this is going to cause problems. This is not safe. I had to do something about it right, right then, you know? And so I was really losing, um, my separation of myself from the job. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the only place, like there was only work Andrea. Mm -hmm. And so it already, that had already happened and it was impacting my relationships because I was always agitated. Yeah. Um, and then COVID happened and I had to make my own kind of 
self-limiting decisions. And it, I realized that the first thing you have to do is be comfortable with setting boundaries and it's with, so hard. And, and not only the boundaries, but like respecting yourself. And mm -hmm. I feel like I see so many people in our profession that don't respect themselves enough to stop the, yep. the things that are happening that shouldn't be, whether it's a, a physician that's talking down to you or a patient that is berating you. You know, I, I just see so many people that apologize in those situations instead of like, I'm not, you know what, we're going to need to take a break and come back to this conversation because this is not conducive, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so I used to focus a lot on the, what are the self-care things you can do? And now I focus on the, like, remember your why, you know, why are you in healthcare? Why mm -hmm. is this important to you? Don't let other people change that, but find a way that you can adjust your expectations because, you know, like if, if there's a, if there's a workplace that's making you miserable, mm -hmm. you need to, you need to leave it. You need to uh, find a way to make it better, or you need to adjust your, adjust your expectations and stop complaining, you know, yeah. but it, that has now become more of the, the thing for me, like you will continue to be downtrodden. You will continue to be broken and exhausted unless you find a way to put up some boundaries, yes. stop picking up the overtime, stop um, answering the text messages, you know, don't get the text messages about overtime, like just don't, uh, don't uh, um, agree to it. Right. Don't like if, if you are, you know, by, by all means, like, you need to show up to work and you need to get the requirements done. You shouldn't be yeah. avoiding mandatory education and things like that. But you also shouldn't be like, if you're being told, oh, the culture of our department is you don't get breaks. So you better get used to that. Then that is not something that you should agree to, you know? Yeah. So um, I didn't even realize that had become so important to me until I was leaving my job as the ED educator mm -hmm. and multiple people came up to me and told me that, my, they felt like I had advocated for them mm. and that that was what, that that was so important. And it wasn't, they, they thought I was a great educator too, but that I, one of them, I remember, and I'll never forget. She's like, I want, I want to be a nurse like you and I want mm. to advocate like you. And that is like, I'll never forget that, you know? And I didn't even realize that was what I was doing, but I was mm -hmm. you as a nurse, you advocate for your patients. I advocate for other nurses to make sure they have the tools they need, that they are not being asked to do more than they should be, that we are only contacting them during business hours or talking mm -hmm. to them when they're on shift, you know, like let them have a break. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's kind of what it's turned into for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that is a lot of what I preach too, because <laughs> it's, I think I found in my own burnout experience and that, that I, and I, and now I can accept that I had a lot of responsibility and, and how that happened. Um, I used to blame and, and be very resentful to other people feeling like they did that to me. And then when I finally realized that it's like, no, I was giving so much of myself. I had no boundaries. I didn't know how to say no. I was terrified to say no, because I thought that people wouldn't like me. And I wanted to do an amazing job and do it perfectly well. And it just destroyed me. And it, it, it took it took me hitting the wall and completely burning out and leaving a 
very well paying job uh, and then getting laid off from my next job to finally like start to put that together. It's like, well, no, I have a huge responsibility there. Like that, a lot of that was on me. And I yeah. was, I'm a martyr. I was a martyr in some cases taking that on. And yeah. so through that learning experience that I'm grateful for now, um, I've learned how to put up really great, strong boundaries and I'm learning how to say yes, less. I really work to say no, thank you. You know, but those <laughs> things are so important because it, are. it, it, it impacted me and my family so much, but I let that happen. Yeah. And now I'm not, I've got much stronger boundaries. It's so, so critical. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, the thing I realized, like when I was getting to that point, when I was leaving my ED educator job and I was so worked up, you know, this was during the height of COVID. I was yeah. so worried for my staff yes. and myself and my family, you know, and we were getting like we were doing such great work together to make sure people were being safe. And then we would get some directive out of left field that was like, no, you can't do that anymore. Mm. And I was getting so agitated and angry and tearful and worried that I was going to have an outburst that was going to land me in HR, mm. you know, because I owned it so much. It had become yeah. so much of my life. Um, and I mean, I had things in my personal life going on that made it easier to have work be my life. And it was the only place I was getting my fulfillment, you know, because my yeah. personal life was a mess and had ending relationships. And so, you know what, I know I'm good at my job and these people, I care about them. They're my family. I'm yeah. going to go to war for them. And um, then when it came time to leave, I was devastated, you know, yeah. even though I was I was exhausted and angry and frustrated. I was also like, I'm abandoning my family. Mm -hmm. I am like, oh. I have, I don't know that the person who felt I'm not even getting time to hand off to someone else because they've dither dathered for so long that I, I don't know that they're going to be left with someone that can support them. And, but I just had to be like, I can't, I can't worry about it anymore. I, yes. I have to choose my health and wellness. And my family, or I'm going to lose them, yeah. you know, and, um, did things were things rocky after I left, they were, but that wasn't my fault. You know, they yeah. were really lucky to have me and to have me be able to do as much as I could do, but that was my own fault for mm -hmm. being an overperformer, you know, which I can't turn off. I can't yeah. be a C-level employee. Who you are. You know? Yeah. I, I can't do that, <laughs> but. I can uh, work hard on making sure that I'm not setting crazy deadlines for myself. So I work mm -hmm. hard on setting reasonable deadlines. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have changed my opinion because I used to be very, like if people would come tell me, well, I'm leaving to go to this organization. I would just be like, you are, you are a deserter. How, like, you're just a bad person for going there. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're not a real nurse because you mm -hmm. aren't wanting, you know, like I would just have kind of that, like, yeah. negative kind of reaction and after going through what I've gone through it's like you know what you have to do what's right for you mm -hmm. and what's right for your mm -hmm. family and if going to another organization is or another department is going to allow you to live the life you want to live you Absolutely. deserve that yeah you know yeah so just a complete shift in yeah the way I think about it you know 
Yeah, for sure. I got a little teary-eyed when you were talking about your departure because I felt the same. I felt that abandonment, that guilt, the shame, the failure. Like I was a failure because I couldn't make it work. I couldn't fix myself to make it work. And so I just felt that really deeply. And, but also I had that same shift. It's like, it's out of my hands now. Like I can't control what happens. They're going to be fine without me. Eventually it's going to be hard. And it, it is hard. And even still years later, I'm sure you still get these, like, we miss you. Yeah. And I'm like, that feels really good. I miss you. But not this. The job. Yeah. <laughs> I don't miss the crazies. Yeah. The craziness. Yeah. But I miss the people. Like, yeah. It, it is hard to make that transition, especially when your identity is so wrapped up in that. Um, and then like, well, what do, who am I now? What do I do now? Yeah. And yeah. And especially yeah. because I transitioned from, uh, like when I did leave it, I went from an educator and it wasn't, I wasn't, I, I hate saying just an educator, but I think people don't understand what educators do. Like my, yeah. my job was much more than teaching. I was policy yeah. and procedure and quality and improvement and supporting staff through a lot of things that they didn't feel comfortable going to management about, you know, like right. there was a lot more yeah. to that job than just putting together some education, you For know? Sure. Um, but uh, I left it and went back to the bedside. And it was on one hand, very relieving to be like, I just have to take care of my four yeah. and I do my 12 hours and I go home and like, this is, this is kind of cake, you know? Um, but it also was very hard with all the knowledge I now had <laughs> to be mm. like, well, why aren't we doing this? And can I fix that policy and blah, blah, blah. Like it <laughs> took me like probably two years to decompress and now I'm back doing it all. But you know, it was, it was a, a definite like, I got it. How do I slow myself down yeah. from this, this constant state of anxiety? And yeah. I know ER nurses are like, what kind of ER did you go to that? It was less stress than what you were doing. And like, all I can say is if you've not worked in a management or leadership role, you have no idea how much pressure and, and yeah. hat, how many hats and how many like multiple directions you're being pulled in and, uh, at every time, yeah. um, with competing priorities and competing like ethics that really oh, yeah. are challenging, you know? And so being able to just worry about my patients was, was really nice. Good. And it was almost allowed you um, like kind of that healing to like yes. step back, less responsibilities, less expectations, like literally your jobs to come in and take care of your patients and leave. Like there, yes. there's not expectations beyond that. And that is hard to make that shift. Cause I have done that too. And it's like, well, uh, what am I supposed to do? So you kind of have to like figure out, okay, well, what, what, what do I want to do? What do I like to do? What do I not like to do? And you kind of have to explore and learn to like yourself for love yeah. yourself, appreciate it. Like, like you said, just kind of honoring yourself and, and what your needs are, but you have to slow down to actually listen. And yes. that can be really difficult. Yes. Yeah. So what are some things that you do now to really, you I mean, you talked about boundaries. Do you have a routine or practice that you, that you do kind of consistently to kind of keep yourself, uh, I don't want to say in check a little bit, but like a, a little bit more stable? Yeah. So a couple things, especially since I went back into my educator role, um, some things that I have held myself to pretty strongly because I was bad at them the last time I was in an educator role. Um, <laughs> When I come home, I don't, I stop checking my work email. So good. 
Um, I do not work like unless I am scheduled to work from home, I do not work on projects after hours. Um, and it really helps that I have my seven-year-old stepson because yeah. he doesn't let me get anything right. done, <laughs> but, you know, so, but that has probably been one of my biggest boundaries is I'm not going to, there is nothing as an educator that I need to reply mm-hmm. to tonight, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so that has been a big one. I think another one has been very, I'm, um, very empowered by my supervisor of if anybody comes to me with a project besides her, they have to go to her for permission. Um, and so that really, and she's like, you don't have to be the one to say no, you can CC me and I'll say no. So nice. That's amazing because for so long, that is not the kind of leadership that I've had, you know? So to be kind of fiercely protected from above is love that. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy it as long as I possibly can. Good. And then I just, um, you know, I have my ways in my personal life to make sure that I have me time cut out. So like I pre-schedule my chiropractor appointments because Mm. with my insurance, I get a massage and an adjustment um, for a nice little bitty copay. So I get that at least every couple of weeks. I have my massage membership where I go get a longer massage. Mm. Um, I work in the garden. Mm. I, you know, I ride my bike. I just, I have kind of pre-scheduled Andrea time. Excellent. Um, I just recently started a puzzle that I work on when my husband's at work and my son is gone. And so I have like these little, these little things that are just for me. And that Mm -hmm. helps a lot. Um, That helps a lot when I, again, I'm a fixer and I need to help you whatever it is you want to get done. So sometimes I need to, to just not be involved in those things. Yep. Yeah. So good. And you're also an excellent baker and jam yes, maker, state award, yes. state fair award winning. Yes. <laughs> I yeah, I have, uh, I have so many figs right now that I got to do something with. So oh. there'll be, there'll be fig jam coming soon, but yes, that's also a big, I don't eat a lot of it because, um, I already struggle to, to <laughs> stay in my parent, my scrubs and I'm not going <laughs> to upsize, you know, but I love to bake for other people and make yes. the jams and jellies. And so I love doing that. It's so therapeutic. That's great. That was one thing I had to find. I had to find hobbies because my hobby was fixing other people. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I realized that that was not healthy. Um, and, and part of my burnout was like, well, I, I literally don't even know what to, what I like to do. So it's the last few years I've been exploring. I love doing puzzles, specifically these wooden mosaic puzzles. Mm. Those are so beautiful. And they have like these carvings of different animals. They're just, it's, I love doing that. And I love even better to sit outside and do that. Um, yeah. And yeah, going on walks and, and just finding things that I just rediscovered that I love photography and I forgot that I loved that and so yeah. I just took my old camera out and took pictures in nature and but those things that carving out that time just for you um I know it's self-care it all of that is self-care but it it it, it adds up like when you're filling up yes. your own bucket and recharging your energy then you can like say this like freely and lovingly give to others from a full yes. bucket instead of depleting yourself constantly yes and I think um, you know, as we get older, we have spouses, we have children, we have jobs, we have maybe 
old, aging parents that end up needing more mm-hmm. from us, you know? And so mm-hmm. I know so many of us are going through similar things where we do lose our sense of self because yeah. we are doing so many other roles. You're in the, yeah. the role of wife, the role of mother, the role of mother of daughter-in-law, the role of employee, you know, you are so many roles Yeah, and like the, and then the American kind of culture is to just cut out, you know, well, you can sleep when you're dead. So just don't sleep, you know, Mm. but there's no room in the day to do anything for yourself. And if you do, you kind of feel guilty that you might be neglecting someone else. And if you don't feel that way, I'm so jealous, but I I know know, that's how I feel. (laughs) You know, it's interesting too, what you said about like your hobby was fixing people. And I, one of the things I had to do too, in the past couple of years, when I was, you know, healing from the work, I also kind of had to look at the the friendships that I had mm-hmm. and also some family relationships where it was like, man, all I do here is give and yeah. I never get anything back um, except feeling ugly or yucky yeah. or, you know, unappreciated. And I, I'm too old for this and I got to let yep. this go. And so in the last year, there are some kind of longtime friends that I've just been like, I'm, I'm just going to stop reaching out and stop following you on social media because this only makes me feel bad. Um, and I don't have space in my life for that anymore. And I'm going to focus on the the good relationships that make me feel loved and supported. And like, I can walk away from that feeling refreshed and happy instead of like, just worse about everything, you know? So um, so amazing important. to still be doing that at 40, but mm-hmm. it happens throughout your life. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's this time of life when you start realizing, well, what is really important to me? Like Absolutely. I'm now moving into the second half of my life. Do I want it to still be that way? Do I want to be drained all the time and around certain people? Do I always want to be giving more than I receive? And not that it's about that, like keeping score and everything, but I think it's, you really start to reassess, like, this is not worth it to me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. I love it. Okay. So as we're finishing up here, I would love to see if you have any, um, I know you've done a lot of work with new grads too, and, and new ER nurses, uh, but do you have any kind of words of wisdom as either, um, whether they're new or experienced, but towards our nurse friends that, um, we've given a lot of little tidbits here, but what would be kind of your like parting words today to them? I think, um, my two kind of key things that I, I harp on a lot. Um, number one is that people will not respect you if you don't respect yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So especially, I, I feel like it happens more with people that are newer in the role, but if you let someone walk all over you, they talk down to you, whatever else, it's just going to keep happening. And yeah. you just, you don't deserve that. And so you have to respect yourself first in order to get the respect from others. That doesn't Absolutely. mean you have to be a cocky jerk, but you have to yeah. like, uh, you know what? I just asked a question and um, maybe we can talk about it later, you know, but just yeah. something, but Good. that's number one. And number two, and it's because it's a lesson that I've been working on my whole life is being aware of your emotional state, but not mm. reactive. Oh, yes. You know, um, because reactivity is what leads to responses that make us ashamed and guilty, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you know that you have a hairpin trigger or you have 
things that you're very sensitive about. You've got to do work and practice. You know, what is my yes. response going to be when, okay, I know I've got this guy, this guy that likes to use racial slurs. If anybody mm. except a white person takes care of him and I am Hispanic, what is my response going to be when I walk in there and he calls me a name? You know, like mm -hmm. you have to be aware, but not reactive. Yes. And um, it's something that has cost me a lot in my mm. life because I'm so reactive. And so I work on that all the time and mm -hmm. it can make your life a lot better if you yeah. figure out how to, how to not react in ways that make you feel crummy. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And I, as I've committed to a mindfulness practices consistently over the last year, I really, that's been an area that's really um, improved for me because I'm more of an emotional reactor. Like, I mean, I'll cry or like I get yes. angry and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to react that way. And so it's allowed me to like slow so that I, I can actually pause and take like a breath before I respond and I can choose, do I want to respond or do I not want to respond or how do I want to respond? But before instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's been a really nice side effect of being uh, much more mindful in my day-to-day -day life and doing breathwork practices and stuff. That's really helped. Yeah. yeah. It makes such a difference, you know, mm -hmm. in your personal life, in your mm -hmm. professional life and, you know, and in your ability to regulate your own emotion and your yes. own sympathetic nervous system surge, you know? Yes, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, thank you, Andrea, so much. It's just been so great to chat with you more today. And I know our friends will get a lot of that out of the combo we had. So thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.